All right, let's begin this morning. It is good to see you this morning as we get into the Word of God. Man, that was a wonderful worship time. As you're finding a seat, I just want you to get ready for all the good things that are happening. And I know that a lot of times I'd like to share everything that is happening uh, but we just don't have time. Let me give you one little update. As you know, Alex and Nettie is, uh, they're in Cambodia and they've been there for almost, uh, almost now a month and they're seeing wonderful things happen and, and our church is supporting them and has supported them and will support them. And, uh, in, in weeks to come, I want to give you an opportunity to give towards that missions outreach, um, uh, in a few weeks, I'll give you more updates, but uh, Alex uh, said the children of that area, as he speaks and they do children's ministry, uh, what they do is uh, the children of that area was so excited about the, the ability to go to church that they personally, all these little children, put their money together and rented a van to get to church. And Alex showed me a video of this van, and it's like a 15-passenger van, and it pulls up, and he's apparently got his phone videoing, and I think there's like 300 children that got out of that 15-passenger van. I'm exaggerating, but he said, my goodness, they were going out, you know, every door that opened, and I couldn't count them all. And uh, as he showed me that video, uh, he was telling me that, uh, for $25 a week, they can actually rent one of those vans uh, to, to send the children every week to church from all over that area. And, and I believe that we can do that, don't you? All right, there's about 10% that says, let's get 100%. How many people believe that we can give towards that ministry and be able to provide $25 a week? You know, th that's not that much money. Think about lives that will be changed, not just for this week or this month or this year, but for eternity. So how many people know that our church could get behind that? Say amen. 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 Another need right here at home is that we're uh, slowly doing things to... Uh, update and remodel and different things. As you know, we've already uh, remodeled our sign out front and we changed out all the lights in the building. Um, we're appreciative. Uh, we raised money for the, the, all the fluorescent lights going to LEDs in the uh, sanctuary as well as in the uh, children's area, the lobby. Uh, Jeff put them up. We even sold hot sauce. John Taylor did hot sauce. I'm telling you what, I'm still eating and enjoying that hot sauce. You know, the, the, it's something when the food comes out, but when I see that hot sauce, I'm like, whoa, and, and supported the church all at the same time. So this morning, one of the areas that we're raising money for our church is the drum set. This drum set is about 100 years old, I think. But it has held up to this point, and uh, so we're doing some things in that. We're looking for about 2,000. We, we've already raised about 2,000. The worship team has personally done that. So we're asking you, as, as God blesses you, Maybe you'll say, well, you know, I need a new this. Or maybe you'll say, I'll need a new this, but also I'm going to need a new drum set. Because that's what we do. We're part of the family, and as part of the family of the church, that we, we, we share in the expenses. And, and so many times we, 
uh, take for granted that someone even paid for the seats that we're sitting on this morning years ago. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to sit on the floor. So I just praise God for all those people that have already paid for those seats. So I could go on, but I just wanted to keep you updated on those things. So let's open in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come to your house. And Father, to be able to open up the Word of God and together celebrate life. Father, as we see all the things that you've uh, given for us in direction, that Father, that as we follow your way, that it leads to an abundant life. Not, not just a full life, but even an overflowing life that we might have not just enough, but more than enough to even share with the people that are around us. And Father, we thank you for that. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Some people remember the Rose Bowl of 1929. People are going, no, I don't think I remember that. A lot of people remember it that wasn't even alive during 1929 because what happened was Georgia Tech was playing the UCLA Bruins, and it was a big game, and at the day, all the media attention and everybody that was in media was there, and the, the fans were there, and it was packed out. I mean, it was a big game, as the Rose Bowl is every year. This year was, you know, very intense, and, and the game started, and... and Something happened that hadn't happened in years and hadn't happened in years since. During the game, a player fumbled the ball and a man named Royal Riggles picked up the football and began to run for the end zone. And everybody stood there watching in an amazement. And he ran and, and one of his own teammates caught up with him on about the five-yard line and tackled him because he was running towards the wrong end zone. He was going to score for the other team until his own player, his own teammate, had to tackle him. So his team came on the field and kind of was embarrassed, and they could not move the ball, so they had to punt the ball in, on fourth down. And just so happened that the other team, Georgia Tech, blocked the punt and scored a touchdown, adding to their embarrassment. Ever since that time, that guy has been known as Wrong Way Wriggles. Now this morning, as you know, we're in a, a series of sermons, the, the laws of the highway. And what we've been talking about is that the highway that you choose will help, listen, help lead you to the destination that you chose. See, a lot of people say, no, 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 it, it was just a choice. And, and I'm here to tell you that it's not just a choice, but it's a choice to put you on a highway that's going to lead to a predictable even destination. You know, we, we've been talking about how, how sometimes we get in a place that we're physically directionally challenged. Anybody besides me have that problem? And, and I never thought that I would enjoy having, a, 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 a to my own embarrassment, a female... Tell me which way to go. But this little thing called a GPS, and I don't know if her name is Siri or not, but she's talking and she says, turn left, turn right. And some people go through life though, but they just don't have, even know the, their goal in life. They don't even have a target in life. 
But when they reach a destination that they go, how in the world did I get here? If they would have just turned around and looked all their way that they had chosen that path earlier on in life. Listen again, the road we choose is the road that will lead us to where we will end up. It's, it's in every area of our life, our parenting, our health. It's in the, the way that we live life is the path that we choose. It's predictable. Just as a physical location is predictable, we've been using the illustration, if you got on I-35 and went north and you stayed on there over time, you're going to get all the way to Canada. It's predictable. But just because you get to on I-35 and you're going north and you get into Oklahoma and you say to yourself with good intentions, I can't wait to get to San Antonio, you're not going to San Antonio because you're in the wrong direction. Going in the wrong direction, good intentions aren't going to get you there. So this morning, let me just quickly say, sometimes it's the smallest step in the right direction is the biggest step in your life. That's what I'm encouraging all of us today to go, hey, hey, it sounds like such a big thing in our, but sometimes it's just the smallest step that can turn you around into the right direction and over time lead you to the destination that is best for your life. In previous weeks, here's some of the points that I've been bringing out. Week number one is what gets your attention will determine your direction. Is that not true? Because whatever gets your attention, gets your focus, and whatever you're focused on, after a while you'll realize that you're going into that direction. What are you focused on today? What has your attention? What is it that has your attention? For me, I have to watch it because I, I get my attention on something and before long it can be the most craziest thing but pretty soon I'm doing it and let me tell you I'm not going to do it second best and if there's somebody out there competing with me I'm going for the win and you might be thinking that I'm talking about doing something great it can be something crazy okay I'm going to be transparent and I hope God speaks to you to be transparent and just come on out one time I thought to myself we moved out in the country and I thought well, John's kind of a city slicker, and but I can do this thing. We had children. I thought it would be good to raise, not dogs, not cats, not parakeets, but chickens. That's right, chickens. I studied chickens, and it got my attention. I woke up studying chickens. I went to bed thinking about chickens. Now, you're laughing now. Do you think I would have told you I was studying chickens back then? No. But Gwen knew. Do you think we ought to got Rhode Island Reds? Or do you think that we ought to got, you know, uh, Americano, uh, which is kind of a, a blue and a green egg that is produced? Do you, do you think that we need a Rhode Island Red? Do, do you think those Rhode do, do you think that the white leghorn is the best chicken? Some of you are going, what? That's crazy. I guarantee if we sit down and you are honest with me, there's things that have gotten your attention. And all of a sudden, before long, you begin to meditate on that, and you begin to look at that, and you begin to go, you know what, I, I bet you if I had enough chickens, I could, I could sell to the grocery stores. I would be a Pilgrim Pride magnet. Not only could we 
eat the chickens, but we could eat the eggs. People would be stopping. We'd have a traffic jam of people coming to buy chicken eggs. And It would cost John Miller probably 5 to $10 a dozen of eggs. Do you know how depressing that was when I went down to Walmart and I found out sometimes you can buy them for a dozen for a dollar? And there's no work involved. Whatever gets your, hey, whatever gets your attention determines your direction. And we, we use this as the passage of Scripture in Proverbs 22.3 that says, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. In other words, sometimes we're on the wrong highway going in the wrong direction and we see, oh, what am I doing here? On this highway, this is the wrong way for me to go. And sometimes when we're on that path and we see danger, it says a prudent man, a wise man, sees danger afar off and goes, oh, I'm not going any further on this path. But it says a simpleton, a person that's not wise, keeps going and suffers for it. Then the second week and the third week, we talked about this. Listen to this. This is what I just mentioned a while ago. It's direction, not good intention, determines your destination. See, see sometimes we fool ourselves because we have a, an ability to talk ourselves into things that we want, even though that really down deep inside we go, that's not the best for us. The verse that I used was Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. What? I can't take a pill. I can't do something, you know. And it's beyond, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And we talked about the good intention sometimes that we have. And, you know, like I just said, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise chickens. And everybody's going, chickens? Why would you do that? Don't talk to me about that. You can't talk me out of it. Listen to me, I'm not talking about a hobby in your life. I'm talking about things that will bring destruction in your life because you're talking yourself into it. I, I need is a lot of times used, and really it should be a place of honesty that we say, no, it's not something I need, it's something that I want. I need a new car. Do you need 72 months of payments? Listen, listen, don't let your heart tell your brain to come up with an excuse why you need something that really down deep inside, if you're honest, is just something that you want. See, what we're talking about is there's a way that seems right unto man that leads to death. And we're talking about the way that God has for us that a lot of times as we say, God, I, I, I trust and I want to rest in you and your promises. But when we get to the place of trusting in his promises, there's a conflict that happens because we say, I know the wise thing to do, but I really want to feel this. So, so watch this. Today I want to talk about this. And it's the last week before we get into some habits of how to, here's the word, habitually be on the right highway and ways to keep us on the right highway. And it becomes part of our DNA, who we are. That's in weeks to come. But today I want to talk about coming to grips with this. 
Choosing the right highway starts with submission, not knowledge. That's going to make a lot more sense in a minute, but I want you to hear it again. It starts with submission, not knowledge. See, a lot of people say, you know what? I want to be successful in life, so bring on all the information so I can make a wise decision. Give me all the information you can. Now, listen to me. Wouldn't it be wonderful, and, and, and it just sounds wonderful, that if you were talking about any kind of area of your life, let's say like marriage, that you could have on the wall all the wise decisions and then over here all the bad decisions that people have made so that you could look at those and come up with the percentages of what works and what doesn't work. And woo, that, I never saw that one before, and I could make the right decision. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just look at a big database and say, wow, I, can, I got all this information so I can make now a wise decision. And sometimes we, we get information hungry and we are, we are really, think about it, we're blessed with the internet. Do you remember the time to get information? You had to have a, a, a volume of encyclopedias. Did, does anybody remember? Well, oh, it's an encyclopedia. I thought it's Wikipedia. No, an encyclopedia is a book. My family bought a, a volume of encyclopedias in, in those days when you sat around and said, you know, I wonder what kind of food is grown in Iowa. You know, you go over there and you get the book out and you look under I and Iowa. Corn, well, <laughs> corn. Isn't that something? Nowadays it takes half or maybe a tenth of the time because you can just pull out your phone, boom, boom, boom. But we all know that just information doesn't necessarily make you able to make the right decision, even though you know the wise decision after getting the information. Do you remember the times, now if you're a little bit of age here, like myself, you remember the time that they used to have what is called, ready, maps. And they were paper. And they would, they would fold up to about this big by about this big, but when you undid them, it took, you know, a magician to put them back to that right spot. And usually if you had a co-pilot, somebody sitting in the driver's seat, they would thing, you know, bring that baby out and it would be like a four by four, you know, four foot by four foot map, and they would always get it right in front of the driver's face. You know that? You remember that? Anybody beside me? I'm not saying it was Gwen, but she was in the passenger side. I'm just saying that. Do, do, you, do you remember the time when, when you would say, where am I at on this map? Or today, you know, the GPS will put you, this is where you are. How do they know where I am? But on the map, you get that dude out and you go, well, where am I? And you'd have to wait for a mile marker. Young people don't even know why the mile markers are there. But you begin to look and you begin, okay, I'm right here and I'm trying to go over there. And even though you knew where you were going, it didn't mean you are going to get there. You had all the information, all the surrounding area, all the things that would get you there, but the information wasn't just enough to get you to the right destination it's funny because you'd have several of those maps for each state you remember that and you had to fold it back out so if you're going to florida the florida would be on the outside 
and then you know you know N Nebraska or Iowa the Midwest would be another state and it would be on the outside but when you folded it back you never got the state on the outside so you had all these mystery maps folded up in the glove compartment See, the, the reason is because even though sometimes we know where we're going, even though we know all the information to make a wise decision, there, there's something that comes on you and me, and it's like this. Well, I know where I should go, and I know maybe I'm on the wrong path, but I'm the exception to the rule. Thus, the parenting statement, do as I say, not as I did. Come on now, wade, wade into this. See, information isn't our problem. Chances are your problem is like mine, and it's called independence. See, we're independent people, and we think, you know what, I, I can do it, even though I know that most people can't, I can, I can get away with it. Here's the answer to the problem of our feeling like we're independent and we can do it. And it's called submission. And in this morning, submission precedes direction. When we acknowledge God, He says He'll clear a path for us and make it straight, which means it'll be easier. He clarifies where to go. Now this morning, the the Bible character that I, I think that really brings us home, and every time I, I've studied this this week, I went, ooh. Because we'd like to use a character that, you know, maybe was just a, you know, good guy or a good lady in the Bible that had problems. But when we use a man like the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, remember that people came from all over really that known world of that area, just to talk to him. That's how wise he was. This wasn't just a myth. This is actually in the Word of God. He was an, a genius. He wrote three books of the Bible. We know that if you, you want to start, start with Proverbs. And if you read Ecclesiastics, but wait until you're probably 40 to read that because you've got to be pretty mature. And if you think the Bible is boring, read the Song of Solomon, all right? Then you'll know. We, we call it the, the wisdom literature, literature of wisdom, and, and sometimes it's even taught in public schools. This guy was a genius. Now, now the story starts when he's about, they think about 20 he comes to be king. His father David has passed away. And remember, his father, to put a little pressure on him to follow his father David, he was the standard of all kings before him and will be after him. See, David was a poet and a prophet. He, he, he was a, a warrior. I mean, come on now, he's killing Goliath. That, that story went throughout history. He's even a musician and writing songs. And, and what is Solomon? Well, he's a, we really don't even know what he was good at. But we do know that he was overwhelmed. He, he's 20. Do you remember back when you were 20? See, this guy is a little different because when he takes the, the position of king of the land, he begins to see how inadequate 
his knowledge is of how to rule the people. And to make things even worse, it says that God had now given him the responsibility of what? Building the temple. And it should have been the only temple. That all the people not would worship at a tent or in high places where they shouldn't have worshipped because that's how the other gods and other people worshipped. But God said, I'm going to build a temple where my presence will dwell. Solomon, you're the man. I'm the man. I'm only 20. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Oh my goodness. And the Bible says that he begins to pray. And really, can I just sum it up for the sake of time? I encourage you to, to read that in 1 Kings. But really, he comes to the place where he says, you know what? I, I'm overwhelmed, God. I, I need your help. God says, well, because I've loved your father, David, I've chosen to love you too, Solomon. And because I made a promise to your father, David, I, I'm going to make a promise to you, Solomon. And, and the promise is, I'm going to be with you. I, I promise you that I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. But listen to this. God tells this young man, ask whatever you want, and it's yours. Now, we know God isn't a genie in your rub and make three wishes, but this is, to my knowledge, one of the only stories, if not the only story, where God says, I'll give you a blank check. What, when, what is it that you want? What would you have chosen at 20? Come on now. Some of you are going, oh, just one wish, oh. See, God says, I'll give you long life. I'll give you fame. I'll give you wealth. What is it that you want, Solomon? And he chooses something that's bizarre. Wisdom. Wisdom? Solomon, you're 20. Nobody will even know if you're stupid because you're the king. Whatever you say is wise or else. It showed how much wisdom that he had to even ask for wisdom. And so he asked God, I, I need your help to give me all the information through wisdom and, and to be able to, to put it all together, to be able to lead the people and to do what you've called me to do. Now listen to what God said. And it, it's in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to use the message because sometimes we've read it out of the King James or the NIV so many times. Let me give you a different look at it. It says this out of the message. God looks at this guy that's 20 and he's asking for wisdom in order to lead his people, God's people. Remember, God loved him so much that he brought him out of Egypt in the wilderness and into the promise. And God said... I am pleased because you've asked this. And I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to give you wisdom. Now watch this. As a bonus, I love this part. God says, because of what you've asked. For a bonus, I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you glory you didn't ask for. There's no king anywhere who will come up to your mark. And listen to this. It goes right along with the path or talking about the laws of the highway. And if you stay on course, keeping your eyes on the life map and the God signs as your father David did, I'll also give you a long life. See, whatever gets your attention determines your direction 
and therefore your destination. Later in Solomon's life, he'll write this in Proverbs chapter 3, and some of you might need to take a picture of this. Some of you need to write it down, underline it, because this whole message is based on this. Solomon wrote this later on in his life that says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. We'll read that again in a minute. See, later in life, when he lived and there was a few years under his belt, he didn't say, Listen, he didn't, he didn't get to the point to say the key to life is really getting wisdom. And, and when you get wisdom, then you can lean on all the things that you know. Because see, I know that when we get all the things that we know, if we're not careful, that's what our belief system is because it's based on our experiences. But Solomon, as wise as he is, he gets later in life and he goes, Oh, guys. Here's the key to life, and it's trusting the Lord with all your ways. Now, I looked at that. When when he says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. When you think about the word trust, it's vulnerability, isn't it? There's people that we're close to, maybe even a a sibling or a, a mother or father that we go, you know, I just don't trust them. God is saying, I want you to trust me. When when you look at the word lean, it represents something that you don't prop yourself up or or lean at something that's going to support you. Like if, if I put all my weight on this podium and it was gone, I'd fall down. What Psalm is saying is don't don't do that. Don't lean on your own understanding, on your own wisdom or acquired knowledge that you have gotten in your life. There's something about it when we begin to rationalize and it comes into conflict with the Word of God. If we're not careful, we'll begin to lean on our own understanding because sometimes the ways of God doesn't make sense to us. And why we say it doesn't make sense because our heart says, you know, John, it would be easier to do something else than what God's Word says. And then again, we would never say that out loud because we know. There's something about us that we get to the place that we're maturing. And as I said before, there's so many times that people can be in the church, they can be serving God for 10 years, and they go, you know what? That guy that just got saved, (coughs) he's got maybe one year experience, but I've got 10 years. And only God knows, sometimes those people that have been in church 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, really all they have is one year 50 times in a row. They never matured. They never got to the point of leaning on God and trusting Him and doing the things that God has asked. Sometimes you'll see people go from church to church to church to church to church. Why are you going to all those churches? Because I don't like those people. All of those churches? See, we're talking taught that God's way is to walk in love with one another. And you know if you've been alive more than about 15 years, 
You've come up with a belief that it is hard to love people. They go through bad moods. They go through circumstances in life. But see, the way that God says is, I want you to walk in love with those people. See, there's a way that seems right unto man. Can I get your attention on this? It's easy to give them a piece of your mind and not walk in love. And it feels good at times, doesn't it? It's fleshy. But God says, no, 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 no. That's not what my way is. You know, I've told this, and I'll just warn you, if you don't like it, so what? I'm going to tell you some more But on this. But when my kids were growing up, they were, I think Luke was the oldest. I know he's the oldest, but he was like uh, maybe, um, which one are you? Okay. He was about, I think around 10. So therefore you got 10, 8, 6, and 4, give or take, right in there. And they're sitting at the table, you know, and Brooke, you know, she's got the bobby socks on, swinging her legs. She's a little girl. And so I tell them one day I, at the dinner table, Gwen and I were sitting there having the family dinner, and I said, hey, I said, one day, I just want to tell you, I, I got to make an announcement, just want to teach you that one day, all kids go through, all people go through it, and you're going to go through it. What, what's that, Dad? Because, you know, we're, I'm Superman and Wonder Woman to them at that age. You, you know what I mean? I said, you're going to go into this stage, and it's like a fog, and you won't even know that you're in it. Big eyes, you know, kids. What? I said, it's called the stupid stage. <laughs> and they're like, no, it did. And I said, what's going to happen is it's not that you're stupid, but you'll think mom and dad and all the people that are in authority over you are stupid. And they just don't get it. Everybody does it. Really? Then they got serious. Really? Do we have to go through it? Yeah. Bad circumstances if you don't listen. What? I said, and, and you know, if you listen to mom and dad, though, it's almost like a fog and you'll be making, you'll be seeing things that really aren't true. What do we do? Listen to mom and dad. You're not going to, now. if you don't get it now, when you get there, you sure won't do it. I said this, I said, now remember, I'm not saying you're stupid. But you will see everything and everybody is stupid. Dad, how long are we going to be in that stage? Usually about 21, 22, maybe 25, and some people never come out of it. Really? Yeah. I said, the only way that you survive and don't make bad choices to the point of affecting your life is listen, even though it doesn't feel right. And let me tell you, there was a, probably about two years later, Luke is is in at the table, and he's and I say, Luke, that's not right. He goes, Dad, you don't know. Heath, number two son, looks at him, and goes, he's in the stupid stage. <laughs> Luke looks at him like he's got gravy on his shirt. No, I'm not. <laughs> now, now I use that. A little bit to beat up on my children. Just a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but the main reason I share that with people and I share it with you continually is a lot of times that's us. 
When we come to know Christ, you know what I mean. You, you make a decision for Christ, and man, you're, you're coming up to the pastor going, that was a great message. Even though I preached on God loved the world. You know, something very basic. Something, Man, I never heard a word like that before. I, I'm so, can I take a Bible study? I'm going to study every day of my life. There, there's something about a young Christian that just wants all of God. And then the longer they're in it, they hear someone speaking. Oh, I'm not real for sure about that one. You know you don't have a choice to forgive somebody that's done you wrong, and then we get into that stupid stage, remember? Well, there are times where you don't, and we try to make excuses instead of listening to the Word of God spoken over our life. Now, now I want you to hear this, because just being on the right road, heading in the right direction, isn't always the easiest, and it's definitely not the path of least resistance. But it's the best way. Look at the second part of that verse. In verse 6 it says, in all. He, he doesn't say not just in your spiritual ways acknowledge God. He says, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your pastorate. Today if you go to some kind of uh, banquet or something, the speaker will get up and everybody's done eating or whatever and they go, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the people that put it together. And everybody, they, they're pointing. See, Solomon's not saying that. He's saying, I want you in all your ways to go, where's God? I've got to acknowledge what He wants from my life. Because He's the only one that can speak over to my life that I know and I trust is the right direction. And to recognize who God is, is to respond accordingly. It says the promise is this, because we say, I will rest in your promises and, and, and how do we rest in His promises? Because we're confident in what? His faithfulness. And listen to this. When we acknowledge Him, the promised result is that He will make our path straight. I know that didn't go over like I thought. But if you've ever been on a road that has a lot of obstacles, you know how much easier it is to be on a path that is straight. Well, let me say this too. If you do a GPS uh, operation, you know, on your phone or maybe a, I don't know what do they call them, a TomTom -tom or something where the little GPS on your car and you want to go from where you are to destination, doesn't, isn't most of our decisions based on the route that's going to get us there the quickest? Does anybody see those beside me that goes, you know, your path or your highway that you need to take is going to take 32 minutes. And sometimes they got another option that takes like an hour. Oh, righty then, I'm going to go the hour way. That doesn't take highways and I go all the way over there, it looks like, and goes all the way over there. I want a path that is straight to the destination. It is the easiest. It's the way that God has for us. Now, Let's kind of turn a corner here because Solomon really is the best example, but also he's the worst example of the, his own principle in trusting the Lord. In Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, listen to it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Listen, he'll go on to prove my point today that choosing the right highway starts with submission and not knowledge. 
See, because when he began his whole life as king, listen to this. He's overwhelmed. God gives him wisdom. He starts making decisions. And instead of saying, God, I don't need you because I've got all the wisdom, he should have been more relying on God. But there was a day that came that he began to not do the things that God had told him to do. Listen, back in the book of Deuteronomy, the people are wandering in the wilderness and, say, and, and God speaks to them and says, the day's coming when you're going to want a king. I want you to tell them, do not marry foreign wives because their hearts will be turned away from me. Here's Solomon, and he begins to think he's going to make wise decisions for the country of Israel. Back then, number one, just like us, besides food and shelter is what? Safety. Here's a country that is now in the same place, surrounded by bigger countries, and Solomon starts reasoning and rationalizing, we need safety. So he begins to think, how am I going to have safety in our country? And he makes a choice that he's going to marry Pharaoh, which is Egypt's, Pharaoh's daughter. And in doing that, it was a smart political move, but a very poor spiritual move. Listen, he marries Pharaoh's daughter, and now he's probably thinking to himself, everybody that's scared of Egypt will be scared of us. But in a few days, he's probably thinking, uh-oh, all of Egypt's enemies now become our enemies. And apparently to combat that, he begins to marry more and more of the surrounding areas, daughters, and taking them on as wives. Again, political moves. He ends up marrying 700 wives. He has 300 concubines. 700 wives? 700 mother-in-laws? What is he thinking? <laughs> the, the thing is, he's not thinking. He's not thinking what God had already told him to do. Because those foreign wives, the Bible says, God was telling them, they will turn your heart away. It's just a matter of time. Not me, Solomon had to say to himself. I'm different. I'm smart. I've got all the information. Being on the right highway starts with submission, not knowledge. In the end, it says that Solomon's heart was turned away from God and turned to the gods of his wives. How did that happen? Because he chose to be on the highway that would lead there. Now, now let me say this, and this is so important for this message. The reason why God wanted them, the children of Israel, to trust in him and not trust in Weaponry, which they weren't supposed to build up their armory. They weren't supposed to build up their wealth because they would trust in those things versus trusting in the ways of God. I want you to hear this for ourselves. There's something about God and His desire in making a way for us. It all comes back to relationship. If you know the Old Testament, it's a story of God's relationship with the children of Israel. The New Testament is Jesus coming to this earth to die on the cross for us that we might have a relationship with God. This morning I want you to think about it. 
Because even if you look at the New Testament and you read it in light of a relationship, Ephesians talks about, and especially Ephesians chapter 2, that God has removed all these obstacles, all these barriers, all these hoops that people had to jump through to have a relationship with man. Matter of fact, it says in Ephesians 2.10 that God created us as His masterpieces. Some people in false humility goes, well, I don't feel like a masterpiece. That doesn't make this any less true. And I speak into your life today that God has created us as masterpieces to do the good things that He has created us to do from the foundations of the earth. The highway that God has created leads us to the path that He wants us to get to. What has your attention? Because whatever has your attention attention will determine your destination. God wants our attention and our focus on Him. Let me say it. Choosing the right highway starts with submission, not knowledge. This morning I have a handout that I'm going to ask the ushers to hand out. This morning, I want you to look at this because it'll have the passage of verse that we read in, in the whole context. And this is something that I want you to ask your questions, these questions today. If you would do it today, not tomorrow, but today. As they pass them out, I want to just read really quick. Last week, we talked about direction is determined, not, or let me say it again. It's direction, not good intentions that lead us to our destination. And sometimes we get in the middle of traveling down the journey of life and we know that we're on the wrong road. We know that we're doing something and one day we'll look back and go, you know what, I spent most of my life and now I realized I was in the wrong direction. Last week I read these questions to you, but I wanted to hand them out to you. Why am I doing this? No, no, really doing it. Why, why am I doing this? The second question is, someone in my circumstances came to me for advice. What action would I recommend? Because a lot of times we'll give somebody else a recommendation or advice that we're not giving our own self. Number three is, considering my past experiences and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Because a lot of times when we're on the wrong path, we'll cast all that to the side because I want it. Or I, I want to feel something. Even though we realize it's not the wise thing to do. But this morning, the second group of questions, three quick questions. When we talk about submission, it's very important to realize the way that every promise is yes, but it's coming back to our amen. It's us so being it. It's us living out the promises of God, which means trust in the Lord. If we trust in the Lord with all of our ways and we acknowledge Him, then here, here's the promise, the yes, and here's the amen. Then we have to do the things that God has asked us to do and He'll make our pastorate. So these are the questions. I think everybody has the sheet why do I hesitate to give God full access to every part of my life? 
Number two is, what do I fear will happen on the other side of that decision? And the third question is, what is the most difficult area of my life to yield control? This morning, the title of my message is Yield, which means to just yield to the wisdom of God and acknowledge that He is God and we're not. And in doing that, He'll make our path straight. He'll direct us. He'll guide us. There'll be times in our life where we go, oh, 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 that would feel so good. And we say, no. Why? Because I know the way that God has for me, and I choose not that path for my life. Now this morning, we're not ending this series, but we're ending it right here at this point where I want you to have some time until next week to meditate on this. This is big in your life. This is big in every area of your life, not just your spiritual, not just your Sunday morning life, but in all areas of your life. Why? Because once you are on the right highway in the right direction, hear me, over time, you'll get to the desired destination. You didn't get where you are today, yesterday. It took time. So it's being patient, but being in the right direction, realizing it's just a matter of time until I get to that destination where I need to be. This morning, would you just bow your heads? Maybe this morning God has spoken to you on one of these questions, one of these points. And God is saying, will you let me be God in your life? Will you submit to me today? You might think that you have it all worked out, but down deep inside, you know, because my Holy Spirit is speaking to you. This morning, on the other side of that decision to yield to God... will be forgiveness and peace. Two things that men desire to realize that God is love is to realize that God is a God of grace. He's saying, I am meek and lowly. Take my yoke. In other words, take my yoke upon you. To follow me. You don't have to go through life suffering and continually hitting the wall. Rest in my promises. And find peace. Father, I know that you're speaking to us today. In those areas that we have not submitted to you, God, today we yield to your word. Father, we want to be on the right highway, and I know that, God, you have a desire because you've already made the way for us. Father, we know that it is a, 
an abundant life that you want for us. And Father, that's what we want. Father, we thank you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the next few minutes, I want to just again remind you, we'll pray again and be dismissed. But I am so pleased with you. And I love you guys a whole lot. When people in our church are going through pain and suffering and all kinds of things in our church rallies, sometimes it's as easy as sending them a, a meal that you know some of you have received that just picks you up. And, and I'm so pleased to be a part of a family, a church that believes that they can make a difference by doing something sometimes as small as that. Do you know that there's times where we have been able to pay somebody's rent? Pay their electric bill or it was going to be turned off? And pass all judgment of, well, I wonder what they did with their money. But the only way that we can do that is through the generosity of God's people. You know as well as me, everybody in the world thinks, I wonder what they're trying to get out of me until you're on the receiving end of somebody giving to you, and you're saying, wow. There's a, there's a sense of humility that comes on you. Well, charity is kind of... But to receive that in your moment of need is so fulfilling, and it's because our people, you, are generous. And you give not only just when you see a need, that is important, but, but to manage the money of the church, to, to pay for electric bills or, or, or pay for Axiom or pay for the paper that we hand out, all those things is because people realize tithing is a way of God. God, that's you, God i got to submit because I, I, I have needs for my money, but God says do it, that's what I'm doing. To give 10% of everything that comes through your hand, that, that does not make sense to the world. I'll tell you what, throughout the course of our church, what I am so pleased is our young adults are some of the most generous givers of our whole church because they've realized it as children in the children's church. And they've been grown up and they've been raised in the way, and they, they hear things like God saying, Try me in this. Test me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour down a blessing so much that you won't even be able to hold it. Boy, that sounds good, but I don't know. No, they're saying, I'll try it. I could go into examples, but let me tell you, there have been people that have been blessed that you don't even know how you've been blessed. Sometimes it's through our young adults. Do you remember when you were first married and you made all that money? I'm making a spoof because a lot of times you go, no, I didn't make a lot of money. But those young adults one day are going to make a lot of money. Why? Because the blessing of God is on them for their obedience. So this morning on the way out, you have an opportunity. As you do every Sunday, you can give in the offering. You can give online. That was something that's a, a luxury and it's a convenient that growing up, we never had that option. Well, pastor, it's so hard to figure that out. You know who I talked to? 
the younger kids that can do that. They can even show me how to give online. So if you'd like to give online and you don't know how to do that, we have somebody that can help you with that. You can stop by and drop it in the mailbox. We don't throw out any money that comes in the mailbox. You know that. Just check in with you. Thank you for being generous. Remember also Cambodia, as we talked about, also that we're raising money for the drums. Would you stand with me? I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, you're a generous God. And Father, you've asked us to have a relationship with you, even asking us to consider you being our Father. And Father, when, when I realize your desire to want to have a relationship with me, God, I, I just, I can't tell you how much I love you for that. Father, I thank you for the desire to be a part of our lives and to direct us in the way to go, that we would have the best possible life. Father, we say thank you today. This morning, if you're in agreement, instead of saying amen, just say thank you. Ready? Thank you. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed today. Thank you for coming.